God has been so wild lately. He doesn't seem to listen. He doesn't obey my commands, and we can't even bribe him with treats. He's gotten so out of hand, he may even have to be put down. God is not the problem here. The problem is the people who want to be the leader of the pack. We reintroduce God. We retrain people. You're listening to The God Whisperers. Welcome to The God Whisperers. I'm Craig D'Onofrio. I'm Bill Swirla. Today we're talking about the Augsburg Confession, Article 4, again. Continued. Justification by grace through faith alone. Well, we, we felt that we, we didn't do justice to justification the last time around. So we're going we're gonna to take another crack at it here. Yeah, put a little drum thing in there. <laughs> <laughs> justice to justification. We did not. Though we, we, I mean, we, we, we did some. We got, we got James in there. Paul. Oh, yeah. Paul versus James in a smackdown. So that was good. Yeah, they, the cage match. Yep, that's good stuff. Hey, if you want to uh, call us and leave a message on the God Whispers hotline, area code 626-593-7713, 593-7713, and the beautiful 626 area code. Bill, if people want to email us or check us out on the web. Email godwhispers at gmail.com and on the web at godwhisperers.com. Now, the funny thing is, if you're listening to us, you probably found us on the web already. One way or the other. That's on true. iTunes Why do we keep saying website. this? I don't know. Yeah, and iTunes has the link, the back link. So you know why? It, because it all happens. In, in my fantasy world, people are downloading this and sharing it with friends, yeah, and they, emailing it to each other. and, and There's it, just vigorous talk and discussion over all everything. All eight of you are spreading this <laughs> throughout the world. And the endless thread on the Wittenberg Trail Ooh, up to yeah. 8,558 posts the wow. last time. And you notice that it has its own momentum now. I, yeah, because I've been neglecting it. I don't think I've posted anything I, for about three weeks. I just kind of look and, and check in with the RSS feed once in a while, and, and it just it just has its own life. And that, and in fact, I think they've forgotten about us at this point. Yeah, there's just a lot of YouTubes and all yeah. sorts of stuff being posted. That's there. right, and things That's in Latin and, and all kinds of stuff that I don't understand, <clears throat> double entendres and things. So, but it's it just has its own. They've life got now. inside jokes that we don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've been excluded. From our own thread, I, I don't know. The, Maybe I should just shut it down. They, no, <laughs> no, we have to get up. To, we have to get up to ten thousand. That, that's the that's the big goal. Well, 10, what happens 000, when we hit ten thousand? Uh, there should be a party. Are we going to have a giveaway again? Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking the big ten thousandth post giveaway. There ought to be something really special for the ten thousandth post. Hmm. I hope Rudy gets it. <laughs> Good old Rudy. Rudy. <laughs> Yeah, maybe a pacifier or something like that. Uh, we'll find something. God, God whispers pacifier. <laughs> get get Jen some for new babies when there they're coming along. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, we're back to the Augsburg Confession, Article 4. Do you want to just kibitz about nonsense for a while, or should we actually get to work? I think we should get to work. That's where we got wow. in trouble last time. Well, we get to trouble we started every well. time we get into trouble. Like well, here's this. what happened. We started well. And then, then we got off onto the phone numbers and all the stuff everybody knows anyway. Then we started kibitzing. You know, we've got some emails that we should probably we address do? at some time. You, you, sent, you forwarded me a couple the other day, but uh, we, maybe on the backside of the break we'll, we'll take it. <laughs> not, not on this computer. <laughs> Must be the one at home. Maybe it was another Bill Swirley. I forward them because I assume you don't, you don't track the God Whisperer's uh, mailbox. No, because do I you? forgot the password. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. I should probably write right. that down or I tell I tell you, but something. then then eight other people in the universe would know too. Yeah, yeah. Namely, our hearers. Um, yeah, 
Yeah, I don't. I don't have. I don't have the the this this email box. Well, maybe next empty. episode I, we'll take. Them I up. keep it. I keep it pruned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, let's see. Maybe we should just read the uh, article once again. Yeah, we should. And, and in yeah. fact, I'm going to read. Well, you only have one in front of you, right. don't you? I've got the reader's edition. So why don't you do you the, have the German and the Latin? Yeah, I and I, the Latin. I got them reversed the last <clears throat> time when we were talking. Is that that you noted that what I was reading was way different than what you were looking at? Well, substantially different. And uh, and and we noted that the Augsburg Confession was both uh, in German and in Latin, confessed in German when it was read. And by the way, that was yesterday. Uh, we're recording on the 26th. With just it was 500 years ago. It doesn't mean more or less. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the, the presentation of the Augsburg Confession is June 25th. Uh, but it was presented in German, but then officially presented in, in Latin, which is the official language. So we get a both end. We have a German version and a Latin version. Which, by the way, June 25th is only two days after my birthday. Your birthday. Which means all of you, all eight of you, I expect to get a card or something. <laughs> well, if you look on the thread, you, you do have birthday greetings on the, on the endless thread. Oh, yeah, I did see those. Did you some see those? those? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you did. I, right. I think somebody sent you a virtual cake or at least a piece of cake or something. I don't know. You know, they send these things. They find these pictures and stuff. On Facebook, I've been involved with, with a food fight, and I found that I can throw bacon at people. And uh, I think too few <laughs> throw, people throw bacon. Throw, I love bacon. It's always cake or pie. But, I mean, when was bacon. the last time you got hit with bacon? I would love to get hit by a slab of bacon. <laughs> that, that is just, that's just, that would define my day to get hit with bacon. <laughs> I don't participate in Facebook at that level. I, I go on Facebook once a month to acknowledge friend requests, even of people I don't know. Uh-oh. I did it. I pulled on the uh, the headphone cord there. No, that's that's fine. It's it's this. That's fine. Nothing. Uh, I, a, I can't hear. You and still can't? No, now I can. Yeah, I yanked on the cord. A, I can't hear, and B, we have that uh, that huge... <laughs> Are you going to edit that out? No, we just go with it. Oh, okay. Why, 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 is it, why is it that every technical difficulty is traceable back to you? Because <laughs> I'm a big klutz? Man. <laughs> <laughs> I believe uh, I wasn't the one who forgot to put it off of pause a couple of episodes One time. Ago. One time. There was something else just last episode let's, that... Let's talk about the two lost episodes <laughs> that cost me a couple of glasses of expensive <sighs> scotch to keep Uwe Simonetto happy. That was a sadness. <laughs> that was a great loss. That was a sadness. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. we need to redo that. On Skype. Anyway, let's let's get <laughs> Article Four. As long as we're pointing fingers here, <laughs> this will be the technical glitch episode. Speaking of your birthday, unfortunately, oh, I, yeah, could, yeah, yeah. I couldn't get over there in the afternoon. Otherwise, we could have had the Luau birthday edition. That was a blowout. Yeah, that was that was fantastic. But uh, yeah, I was I was expecting you at about two o'clock. Yeah, so we I, I rolled the, in about six, I think, yeah, or six thirty. Yeah. You, you were obliged to uh, go elsewhere. Well, I had other Orange County destinations to go to that day. Disneyland. But, uh, no, I'd never, boy, there <laughs> wild horses couldn't drag me there. But, but uh, did you have a, was it, it seemed like a good party by the time I showed up. Yeah, that, yeah. That, yeah, we uh, had about 30, 35 people show up. It was the, in full uh, swing at that the, point. The three-gallon container blue Hawaii was almost finished by the end of the now, night. Now, what was that drink? It was this a very blue drink in a large uh, dispenser. That was a blue Hawaii. A Blue Hawaii. Yeah, even my mom, who was a teetotaler, drank some. And oh my! It. So that that's it's uh, it's pineapple juice. Yeah, I, I got that. Blue curacao, rum, um, coconut juice, and 
Oh, some syrup. You got to add just, oh, just, just sugary goodness. Just more sugar. Yeah. Sugar yeah. on top. As if the pineapple juice wasn't enough. Yeah. It's, it's, it was sweet. That was my... It I was don't, too sweet. It was... The, the recipe that I used was... Uh, it, it And blue. Once it, it the was, ice diluted the drink, it was much better. Yeah. I don't like, I don't like drinks that are sweet. Yeah, so, that was that was a little over the top. And even if you if you really in, imbibed in that, you would have one heck of a hangover the next day. That would not be. Good. Yeah, no, I, I, I but uh, even even my margaritas I do with straight lime juice. I'm a sugar boy. So, oh, okay, you know, yeah, there's no sugar, but, no no sugar in my margaritas either. It's but just this a, is this was just a Mexican a martini. I think my math wasn't that good when I was at Bevmo buying all my ingredients. I think maybe oh, my math. Oh, was <laughs> <laughs> well, I noticed it was blue. That, it was that, blue. That's the blue hawaii and and uh, and the food was good food was uh catered by ono ono which is our local hawaiian barbecue oh no kidding and uh the the, the barb the beef was good the, that was kind of it was almost like i, I don't know I, it was almost like korean barbecue or something yeah, it, was, it was a barbecue beef that yeah. do, probably was korean basically yeah. but uh, how about that back wall and that was and phenomenal. and the <laughs> How to describe that? Um, it was an entire beach scene on about a forty-foot slab of concrete. Yes, on vinyl. Beach yeah. scene on vinyl. Yeah, complete with Polynesian dancers yeah. and sailboats and distant islands and yeah, well, palm you, trees. You, you and... took tackiness to just a whole new level. It, it was that was the Hawaiian shirt of fences. Well, Steve Morish was my inspiration on this one. Uh, he would be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, oh, the inflatable tiki also. You can't forget I, the, the inf- six-foot inflatable. Where tiki. did you get that thing from? Uh, Oriental Trading Company. It was about eight bucks. Eight bucks. It was about eight bucks for the. Yeah, oh, you, you actually own that? That's... Well, that was the beta version. This is hopefully going to be an annual event, Craig's uh, birthday luau. So. Well, we'll definitely have to have the uh, do a, a God Whispers edition on that. Oh, the absolutely. Next time. The, the, yeah. I, I was just I was inundated with Orange County com- social commitments, wow. and you know me and social commitments on Saturday. It's just it's it's a non-starter for me. And it was all around graduation time. Yep. For, High schoolers and stuff. Yeah, everybody. Things are happening. Life passages, changes, all that good stuff. So, what can I say? All right. Um, so. You're gonna. Are you gonna reread or am I gonna reread? Um, do you, you want to do both both versions or? No, nah, one will do it. Okay, do auf Deutsche. No, I want to do Latin. The Latin Latin always reads better. Okay, then do the Latin. Oh, I'm doing it. Okay, our churches also teach that men cannot be justified before God by their own strength, merits, or works but are freely justified for Christ's sake through faith when they believe that they are received into favor and that their sins are forgiven on account of Christ, who by his death made satisfaction for our sins. This faith God imputes for righteousness in his sight. You know, the one of the things that jumps out at me is freely justified. It, it, it harkens me back to my fundagelical days where you would hear actually a good sermon, Christ alone, Christ plus nothing equals salvation, Jesus Christ only. Now here's what you got to do. <laughs> you got to raise your hand in the altar call. You need to come forward, make a public profession of your faith. Go back. Oh, say the sinner's prayer. Go back, see our counselors, get plugged in the church, become part of the church, go get baptized, and, all the, and then maybe you're saved if you've done this all sincerely enough. You know who's really questioning this a lot? I don't know whether you track him. Remember Michael Spencer, who was on our show, oh, yeah. the, the yeah. Internet Monk? But he's had a couple of blog things. He's working on a book, apparently. But, but he's had a couple of blog articles where he's, he's called into question these, these what, what he, his, he says are basically traditions. Mm-hmm. You know, the tradition of the altar call. Where does this come from? When mm-hmm. when when did this become the sine qua non of of you know salvation? Is that you're not saved till you do the walk? 
and 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 this kind of thing and and I think that's a that's an interesting it's interesting to hear him question uh some of this and and to see to see him wrestle through with that because he's he's very much a theological kind of work in progress well yeah being one who has not yet come out of the closet as a lutheran <laughs> and i that's going to be a, that's going to be a long road for michael i think but <laughs> but i appreciate his his thought he he really he really wrestles with some of these things and and i think you have a paradox here and it's the paradox of objective versus subjective justification um, in in the Augsburg Confession, you have the objective statement of justification in Article Three in the Person Work of Christ. Mm-hmm. He did it uh, for the whole world. That is essentially the whole world is saved in Christ. He's the embodiment of all of humanity, and and he does the law perfectly. He suffers the law perfectly. He atones perfectly for the sins of the world. And then you have the subjective side, which is what we're just reading: is is how how does that become personal? Christ for me, and that is through faith. Okay. And and so it's a both and. Uh, a lot of times people want to play either or. The, you know, if you just play objective justification, you'll be a universalist. Right, you know, Christ, the Lamb of God, takes away the sin of the world. End I, of discussion. I like that. Yeah, it's, I, I'd like to be. A it's nice because it lets everybody off the hook, yeah. and, and we're all good. But but you can't get away from the faith thing. That that, uh, that there are there are those whom who believe and those who do not believe, right. and that that unbelief is condemned and faith is regarded as righteousness before God. So you know, I was asked the other day by someone, "Is Swirla universalist?" And I said, well, "Somebody the, asked that." The jury's out. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you know, I think. If you preach, if you preach Christ correctly, that that is, a, I think, a necessary question that that should raise that question, right? Uh, because because if you if it doesn't sound that way, you only have two possibilities: you're a Calvinist, and that is Christ actually didn't atone for everybody, just for some, right? Or that you're a synergist in some respect that Christ did the whole work for everybody, but you have to do your part too, which is what you were describing. Right. Yeah. Well, what I said basically is there's a difference between universal grace and universal salvation. Mm-hmm. God's grace is universally extended to all, um, which which goes back to, you know, the question that I get from some of my fundagelical friends is, is, well, okay, fine, salvation is given as a gift, grace is given as a gift, you know, all this is a gift, but you have to accept the gift. So it's almost like the gift is hanging out there and you have to extend your hand. Yeah, I like to... I. I I think there's a subtle, and, and this is, of course, in English, but, but there's a subtle difference between accept and receive. Mm-hmm. Um, I think receive is better. Uh, receive is more passive. I, I can be unconscious and receive something. Right. I can't be unconscious and accept something. Acceptance implies a kind of a contract, a quid pro quo. Now, I, this is the way that I go with it, and you'll probably take on. I'm just going to rip because, it to shreds, and then because, uh, uh, we'll put it back all together. All my analogies break down somewhere along the line. <laughs> I'll find it. <laughs> but I say, it's like God finds us dead on the sidewalk, wheels us into the ER, hits us with the defibrillators, breathes life into us, and all of a sudden we sit up, and we breathe a deep breath, and we say, wow, thank you. Mm-hmm. Now, we're in a place where we can either be grateful for the life given or we can say, no, I wanted to be dead and go out and step in front of a bus. Mm -hmm. We have that option at that point. But 
we're dead. And dead people don't say, hey, doc, hit me with a defibrillator, would you? Right. You know, they, they just lay there cold and breathless. You don't, yeah, you don't talk about somebody who's near comatose as accepting treatment. Right. They receive it, yes, but, but they don't accept it because they're not in a position to negotiate. Yeah. Uh, which we'll get to. And, and actually, I think that analogy works really well. Oh, it didn't break down. <laughs> no. Um, because I have witnesses. They're yeah, listening. There it is. But Ephesians 2, and we're going to get to that. Uh, Ephesians 2 is a passage that uses just those terms, not, not just unconscious or, or comatose, but dead. 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 Right. And, and the dead can't accept. They're not, they can't deal in those terms. They can receive, mm-hmm. but it's entirely on God's terms. Right. And I think that's, you know, that's the nature of faith. We were talking about faith as being utterly passive uh, before God. Right. Um, once, once enlivened, quite active before men. But before God, it's a receiving thing. You know, before we get to Ephesians 2 and Romans 3, I'd like to point out Romans 2. There's that verse in there that says it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Uh, I think it's around verse 4 or 14. I can't remember which. But um, I think that this is one of those most overlooked verses in the Bible that it is when we come to grips with what Christ has done for us that only then are we really free to do good works. And it's out of gratitude, not out of fear, not out of obligation, but rather just out of thanks because someone has been so kind to us that they would actually die for us. How could we continue to slap him in the face? And it's at this point that when we realize the kindness and the mercy of Christ that we truly learn to hate our sin. I think the, the verse you're referring to is, is the back part of Romans 2, 4. Yeah. Uh, do you not know? And that's rhetorical. Of course you know. Right. That God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. Yeah. Uh, which is a very interesting. Now, that's, that, that's repentance in the, the full sense of turning. Right. Not just simply contrition over sin, but also faith in the promise of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's a way that sometimes the Bible speaks. Well, you know, for example, you know, the kingdom of heaven is near repent and believe the gospel. That's a half turning. Repent there. Mm-hmm. Right. That, that is, be contrite over sin and believe the gospel. Trust the promise of the gospel. But but this is a full turning. And and you know, I like to say this goes back to objective justification again. Um, the call to turning is a meaningless call if there's nothing to turn to. Right. I, I get the impression sometimes that that Christianity is portrayed as a game of cosmic chicken. You know, God says, "I'll turn to you if you turn to me. Um, uh, I'll I'll forgive you if you believe in me. I'll save you if if you if you trust in me." But that's not the way it works. Yeah, there's a lot of if there. Yeah. It, it, and and so so it's like the two parties saying, "Okay, who's gonna who's gonna go first? God goes first. Mm-hmm. And God says, "Okay, I saved you. I did it. I've turned toward you. I'm reconciled to you." You know, now you have now there's something to turn to or to be turned to, um, otherwise it's just kind of peeking out over one side and saying, okay, is, is God going to hold up His end? Am I going to hold up my end? And and then you're never sure of of where you're going to be in that. Yeah. But yeah. God has turned fully toward us, and now He says, repent. I, I went out uh, church slumming one night when I was in seminary, and there was a Pentecostal church that I went to, and the pastor was on stage. It was a stage. It wasn't as we understand a chancel. I mean, it was like a six foot high or four, probably five-foot-high stage that he was standing on. And he said, Larry, come on up here. And he held out a $10 bill, and it was, you know, 12 feet over Larry's head. And he says, jump all you can and see if you can grab this. And, of course, Larry's jumping like an idiot in front of the whole congregation. And then the pastor says, see, you can't do it. You can't save yourself. And he says, but this is the way that God works. 
he meets you halfway and he lowers the dollar bill or the ten dollar oh, so bill. So it was in reach. So so now it's in reach and <laughs> and Larry could jump up and grab it. And I, I you know at that point I just wanted to go and shoot Larry and say, okay, grab the dollar now. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Make Larry a little more dead and you're you're there. And you're kind of anticipating Ephesians too, but yeah. yeah, Larry wasn't quite dead enough is the problem. Right. And that's a real shame because you know I'm I'm getting excited. I'm thinking, hey, this guy's got it. Nope. But because because the first half of the illustration works beautifully, he yeah. can't get there. He can't do it. But it's not like lower the bar halfway so he can make it. It's like shoot the guy dead, yeah. <laughs> and then wrap his dead hands around that dollar bill. Say it's all yours, buddy. Right? <laughs> yeah, we don't like that part, do we? No, um, not so much. Let's look at Romans three. I, I, I'm thinking of looking at uh, the the verses nineteen through thirty one. All right. Because I, I this is this is the greater part of the passage cited. By by Article Four, but I, I think it's 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 the biblical foundation of this, uh, where Paul says uh, nineteen. We know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For no human being will be justified in His sight by works of the law, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. You know that's Paul's final word on on the on the law, the Torah mm-hmm. as law. See, I think I think the whole point here is Paul's saying, how do we read the Torah? You know, he was trained as a Pharisee. He was trained in interpreting the Torah. How do we read the Torah? Do we read the Torah as a law of works or as a book of promise? Hmm. And and he's saying the Pharisees have misread the Torah. They have turned it into a Torah of works rather than faith. And I think that's what all of Romans, at least one one to one to eleven, is about. Okay. See. And so he says whatever whatever the Torah says, it's it's speaking to those who are under the law for this purpose to shut everybody up, that every mouth may be stopped, and that the whole world would be held accountable to God. Second use of the law. Basically. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. I, however you want to parse it, but it's basically here's why the law exists is to, is to stop all self-justifying mm-hmm. to hold everybody, whether they, even if they don't know the law, Paul's argued that the Gentiles who don't have the written Torah still have conscience and a sense of right and wrong. Right. You know, that hardwired law written in their hearts, which is a real tough thing to, to explain. You know, it, it goes back to the question I like to ask skeptics or, or people don't believe in God. Why do good when nobody's looking? You know, it's hardwired into us. Why, if your enemy falls into a stream and is drowning, will you rescue him? You know, only to, only to continue the argument after he dries off because it's the right thing to do. That's why, you know. But it's, it's the hardened Darwinist that says, you know, just sits there and says, huh. Well, Gene Poole just got thinned out a little. Yeah, That's good. yeah, it's to my advantage. There's no reason. There's no reason to be. You know, a great example. If if a, if a, a lion preys on the weak of some herd, we don't say that's an immoral lion, right? You know, we say, well, you know, tough break, tough break for the gimpy, uh, the gimpy gazelle, but that's the way it goes. Strengthens the gene pool, you know, good, good for, good for it. But you and I are sitting here wearing glasses. <laughs> you know, we we actually strengthen the weak. We help, we help the weak. You know, and I should have been dead several times by now. Uh-huh, yeah, and if, if I'm a Darwinist, man, we're damaging the gene pool yeah. right here. You yeah, know? I'd go throw myself off a cliff and do everyone a favor. <laughs> but but mercy to the weak and kindness to to. Uh, those less fortunate and stuff. There's no good reason other, other than we have this innate sense that there's there's a right and a wrong here. You know, but by the same token, our sinful natures do get in the way of this. Michael Jackson died recently, 
And the Christian in me says, it's a shame that anyone should die. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's a pity that sin has done this to us. Death is an invader. It stinks. It's, it's wrong. But then part of me says, well, one more pedophile, you know, out of this world, good deal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so there's, there's that struggle that I realize that the Christian in me uh, is, has remorse that anyone dies. But then when someone that I think is actually kind of wretched dies, I, I, the, the sinner in me actually is not that upset. And yet you know, you know enough to note that. And how do you know that? The law has convicted you of that. Yeah. See, and, and that's Paul's point here is that no human being, no matter how justified he may think he is, will be justified in the sight of God. He may be justified in the sight of men. People say he's a really good guy. You know, did all this charitable work, all this kind of stuff. Man, what a great guy. But nobody, Paul says, will be justified in God's sight by works of the law because through the law comes the knowledge of sin. Verse 21 then does the big, it turns the whole thing over, okay? So there's a righteousness of God that is known by the law. But there's another way of looking at the righteousness of God. So verse 21, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law, or in this case the Torah and the prophets, bear witness to it. And that is the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. I'm going to stop there. There are two ways of looking at God's righteousness. One is that God is righteous and therefore you better be. And the other is that God is righteous and he justifies the ungodly. Mm -hmm. And that's that's the one religion doesn't see. Right. All religions got the first one, the be good one. Right. Get right with God. God will be right with you. I saw a National Geographic um, on Hulu not too long ago about um, Hajj, people going on Hajj and uh, the the pilgrimage for Islam. And uh, there was an Irish woman from America who was going and a guy from Africa and so forth and so on. And I was just really amazed that this is one of the things that you have to do if you want to go to paradise. You, you, you have to go on Hajj. You have to pray five times a day. You have to do this. You have to do that. You have to show your righteousness before Allah before you can be accepted by him. Uh, whereas in Christianity... Our righteousness doesn't count for anything except that righteousness that comes to us from Christ. That righteous, that alien imputed righteousness from Christ is the only one that counts in our book. Right. And that's, that's what sets Christianity apart. Yeah. You know, I mean, you, you singled out Islam, but you don't have to. You can no, go with pick, any, pick a religion. any religious system that is dealing in, in, in moral decisions. Right. You know, in right and wrong, is is always going to go in this direction that that God, whoever that is, has set some standard that you have to live up to. It's amazing how many Christian denominations and uh, I don't know para-Christian cults will take the word grace and define it totally different than what we mean when we say grace. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about this before in Roman Catholicism. It was uh, the God giving you the ability to be righteous or to do righteousness. Uh, if you talk to your Mormon friends, they'll give you a very similar answer that, uh, um, you know, it's the ability to make up the difference uh, that you lack and, and so forth and so on. Yeah, that's the, the uh, you, you try your best and God will, will, will make up the difference. Yeah, yeah. It gets you the mulligan on the 18th hole. It gets you in the clubhouse. What was that? I, re- I remember out of the, the Book of Mormon that uh, uh, 
ah, I can't remember how it goes, but basically uh, God saves you after all you can do kind of. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that, that, that's a very common way of thinking. And, and don't think that what Paul is writing here in Romans was, was a commonplace then. I mean, he is overturning a whole Pharisaic tradition of interpreting the Torah by saying that the Torah bears witness to a righteousness of God that is through faith and not through works. We'll pick up with more of Romans 3 on the backside of this. God Whispers. I'm Craig D'Onofrio. I'm Bill Swirla. We're talking about Augsburg Confession, Article 4. This is the one that we are spending a lot of time on for a good reason. This is the, the article of our faith, really. Luther is... said the article on which the church stands or falls. Right, right. And I think by that he means not so much uh, dogmatically. as it, This is literally the article in which every sinner stands or falls before God. Right, yeah. Uh, interesting, J.E.O. Preuss III, who was my one of my systematics profs in seminary, uh, likened this to the hub of a wheel, like a bicycle mm-hmm. wheel. And this is the hub. Every other doctrine grows out of this one, he says. And I, I, I always like that. That stuck with me. I remember an assignment that he gave uh, one of his doctrine classes was we had to pick an article of doctrine. And, uh, and and you know it's properly when you speak when Lutherans speak of doctrine they just speak of doctrine in the singular we don't have doctrines a list of them but we have articles of doctrine never thought about it it's a whole body and I think that's one thing that um, Dr. Preuss was trying to trying to make the point of there that justification is not just simply a doctrine among doctrines hmm. but it is the central article that holds that that brings together the whole body of doctrine. And that's where the Lutheran approach is different, say, from a Reformed approach, which uh, tends to be uh, putting, putting doctrine into a systematic matrix, like an outline where everything, everything kind of fits under everything oh, yeah, else. There's a logical progression. Yeah, whereas, whereas the Lutheran approach is to take a concentric thing and say, what's at the center? And, and so I remember the paper assignment well as to, is he had us pick some article of doctrine. I, I picked the descent into hell because it was a short article. <laughs> and... and um, but but to to show how justification was at the center of every article. Hmm. And so people would just pick different articles, baptism, the Lord's Supper, the real presence, um, you know, whatever, you name it. But but to show how justification was at the heart of, of each of those articles. It's a good little exercise to, to demonstrate the point you were making, yeah. that justification is the hub. Right, and uh, you may be missing a spoke or two on your wheel, and it'll go. But if you're missing the hub, you don't got it. You don't, you have nothing. You're, <laughs> yeah. you're sunk. Right, right. Very interesting. And I think that's 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 faithful to especially Romans because Romans is a treatise on how if you do not put justification in the center, you don't see it for what it is, and that is the the forensic declarative, imputed justification of the ungodly apart from works, then you're going to miss the entire point of the Bible hmm. from Genesis on. Because right. Paul is just basically, he's laying down a new rabbinic hermeneutic here 
he's been trained as a Pharisee, but but the scales have fallen from his eyes. Now, what's a hermeneutic? It's one of those little three-legged animals? Is that yeah, what? that's right. It, yeah. It's a method of interpretation, a lens through which you understand. And, you and see, fancy I, words that people <laughs> out there aren't getting. <laughs> well, I'm expanding. I'm I raising people's consciousness. I'm, I'm, I'm expanding their vocabulary. I'm guilty. I do it. <laughs> yeah. Let's pick up at Romans 3.22. Uh, Paul's just, he's just launched into this. There's a righteousness manifested um, apart from, uh, in, in the Torah in and the prophets, but it's a righteousness apart from the law. Um, he says there's no distinction. Uh, t- verse 23, since all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And that all is, notice how this all is carried through each of these three statements. All have sinned. All fall short of the glory of God. And verse 24, that all continues. All they are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. See, that's objective justification right there. Mm -hmm. All sin, all fall short of the glory of God. All are justified by grace as a gift. Okay? You with me so far? (laughs) And it all doesn't mean some? No. Okay. Can't. I mean, all, it, 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 it can mean some only if only some have sinned, and if only some fall short of the glory of God. Well, maybe it means some from every tribe and race, therefore from all nations. And <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> I'm going Calvinist. I know. Verse 25, Sorry. whom God put forward as an expiation, a propitiation in Greek, a hilasterion, uh, referring to the mercy seat, that, that covering of blood over the Ark of the Covenant, mm-hmm. uh, by his blood, to be received by faith. See, now there is, there's the subjective side. God has justified the world in Christ, and that justification is received by faith. By faith. Right. So this was to show God's righteousness because of his divine forbearance. He passed over former sins. What do you think that means? What does that mean? I don't know. Passed over former sins. Yeah, I'm... See, I think I think it basically means God God essentially put up with the world until Good Friday, and then He said, "Damn it!" <laughs> right to His Son. Yeah. Um, you know, is is this one of those situations like uh, where God relents in various places, and He He relented uh, because He realizes that His His Son has not come to uh, atone for these sins yet. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. You know, why does God put up with anything even in the Old Testament? Now, admittedly, at times, he cops an attitude. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm going to smash these people, and then Moses <laughs> you know. steps up and says, smash me instead. Right. But, but, you know, more often than not, he doesn't, much to the outrage of the people who are looking for massive bloodshed. Yeah. And he, he doesn't do the very thing. And I, I think this, this passage says that it's, it's essentially because of Christ. He puts up with the world on account of Christ. Hmm. That's, hmm. that's true today, too. He puts up with us on account of Christ. Thank God for that. Yes. It was to prove at the present time, verse 26, that he himself is righteous and that, and see, here's the key. God is righteous and that he justifies, that is, declares righteous, him who has faith in Jesus. Now, it doesn't say how you get faith in Jesus. Right. Paul doesn't even enter into this. It's not part of the discussion in Romans. Is faith a work? No. Well, it's the work of God. <laughs> yeah, I threw that one out there. From, for, but from our perspective, it's a non-work. Right. Now, you know, I always get pinned with this as, aha, got you, because the one thing you can do is not resist. Yeah, I've, I've been hit by that one with my Calvinist friends so before. So I'm going to accept that one, because non-resistance is not really doing anything. 
I mean, I mean, if somebody's trying to cart me off and I don't resist them and just play dead, you know, be dead weight, play possum. Right. I'm not doing anything well, by definition. As a matter of fact, I think Gandhi referred to that as passive resistance. Okay, that's fine. That's good. I'm not doing anything. I, yeah. By definition. By definition. Well, you've seen people in rioting, you know, that they just lay down. Yeah. But, I mean, that's what Paul says. That's our condition. We're laid out. We're dead. Right. And so I'll take non-resistance as our contribution here. Well, can non-resistance also be deemed as refusal to cooperate? I think that's active. No, no, that's too. And the other side, no. That's that's way too active. Review. That's unbelief. Unbelief. That's that's what I'm saying. Is there's there's a backside to that reasoning? I think. Well, you know, you may be onto something here. Is that unbelief may be more active than we give it credit for? Oh yeah, yeah. There there are those. I think we talked about this. I don't remember if we talked about it here or, or just having Italian food or what, but. There are those who simply refuse to believe. You, you can give them all of the evidence in the world, take away all their false notions, and when push comes to shove, they just don't want to believe. Yeah, I, I, I don't believe because I don't want to believe. Yeah. You know, if I, I believe like if I believe this, then I wouldn't be what I am now. <laughs> well, yeah, then, then I might have to get a new career or something. You know, or at least a new religion. I built a I built a career selling books on why I don't believe, so now you know, what am I going to do for a living? That is kind of dangerous to write a book about your unbelief. Yeah. But then again, if you have a conversion, think you got the Christian market now. Oh, it'd be See, huge. I used to not believe. Now I do. It so, would be huge. Yeah. I think you're onto something there. You got to do both, though. So I'm going to go atheist for the next two years, <laughs> and then I'm going to have a big conversion and make lots of money selling books. <laughs> Did you see where you know how Anthony flew? I, I don't know. I don't know to what extent he's converted. Oh but, yeah, yeah. But uh, but do, do, you, do you hear what they say about him in the skeptics market? No, that that he's senile. I guess he's old, so they're <laughs> saying he's either senile, he's lost his mind, or somebody's kind of whispering things in his ears, and he's just repeating stuff. And and but but it's kind of funny that the 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 atheist crowd doesn't accept his conversion. They don't believe it. They don't believe he's 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 converted. It's like it's like say he's you know, he's still a true atheist. I guess that's that's what it means to be backslidden when you're an atheist. He's a backslidden <laughs> atheist. Man alive. Darn backsliders. Where are we here? Verse 25, his forbearance, he passed over former sins. It was to prove at the present time, oh, that I read that, he himself is righteous, and that he justifies him who has faith in Jesus. This is Paul's whole thesis, is that he is convinced that, that God reckons to be righteous one who trusts the promise of righteousness in Christ. Um, so he says, what becomes of our boasting? It's excluded. On what principle? The principles of work. On the principle of works? No. On the principle of faith. And here's the, here's the corker now. Here's the, here's the big thing. For we hold that a man is justified by faith apart from works of law. Mm-hmm. And as I you know, indicated last time, this is the passage where Luther added the alone and everybody objected. But, you know, read the thing in context and, and the alone just, just underscores what Paul is saying. Faith apart from works of the law is faith alone. That would make sense. <laughs> That's right. Now, you know, one could chime in, well, faith is never alone. Fine. I don't care. Uh, you know, it, right here at this point, how do we stand before God as an ungodly sinner? Uh, there are no works involved. You know, you don't dare present one of those. But it doesn't say alone. <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> 
And then, then just just to close it out, because verse thirty-one, I think, is a is a is a really really important uh, you know conclusion that comes out of this. Paul, I like twenty-nine also. Paul just asks, "Is God the God of Jews only? Is He not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also, since God is one, and He will justify the circumcised on the ground of their faith and the uncircumcised through their faith." It's kind of a clever sentence. Mm-hmm. It's faith on both sides. Mm-hmm. Um, but but here's the interesting verse, 31. Do we then overthrow the, the law or the Torah? I really think it, it's, it's more referring to the Torah here. Do we overthrow the Torah by this faith? By no means, on the contrary, we uphold the law. Right. So in other words, faith upholds the law. Isn't that amazing that there are so many who will say Christ fulfilled the law, therefore the law is null and void. We don't need it anymore. And and St. Paul here is saying, no, that's not right. No, but he's also... still necessary. But he's also not saying that we uphold the law by doing it. Right. We, we uphold the it's law... fulfilled in Christ. When we... When we believe that Christ has fulfilled the law and, and, and is our justification, right. then the law is upheld also in us. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's that metanoia that turns our hearts to want to obey the law more. And not, not in order to be saved... But out of the gratitude, back to Romans 2 again, that I keep reverting to. So, so let me ask you, the, the, the nickel question is, are we simply, is, I, I see sometimes the word mere stuck in front of this, that we're merely declared righteous. Merely declared merely. righteous. Merely. The, the, there's an attempt to diminish that. So oh, it, oh, I see. I see where this is going, is that we are just declared righteous. It's, it's like, pretend. It's like God sees us as righteous, but we're not really righteous. Right. That, yeah, no, it's, it's make-believe. You no, know, in other words, God... We, we God, are truly righteous. No matter how much we sin, we are truly righteous. So we not, only, we not only are declared righteous, but we, by that declaration, become what God says we are. I take this back to Genesis 1. It's... it's God's declaratory word that declares things to be. Uh, he calls the things that are not as if they were. Uh, he speaks ex nihilo, out of nothingness, and it is. He says, let there be light. Poof, there is light. Uh, let there, you know, separate the waters. You know, let there be vegetation. Let there be people. Let there be. And out of all of this, it just happens. God declares things to be. And when he declares us to be righteous, it's as sure as the earth that you're standing on that you are, because he has declared it to be so. So you're saying, you're saying that when, when God speaks, he's never pretending as if something were something else. But, but his calling something makes it what it is. Yep. Like, be light and light there is. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah I, I think it, I, I just... We, we have the octagon in baptism, you know. This is the recreation. This is part of his, his work. <laughs> That's <there>. interesting. <laughs> That's adding a new thought. <laughs> the, uh, I, I say this only because I, I encounter this all the time with this merely business. And, and it's, it's from a non-Lutheran. It's a criticism of, of the Lutheran way of saying it is that they say, well, we're not, you know, merely... Uh, declared to be righteous, and I think what they have in mind is that is that of course we're we're working hard to become righteous, but but the the news is that God by declaring us righteous makes us so. Well, okay, is sanctification progressive or is it a a done deal? Both. There you De- go. Depends on who's at, how you're looking at it. Right. Right. We we grow in faith and knowledge of Christ, and in so we grow in holiness and the desire to be righteous, but at the same time, we are already truly righteous. I look at it this way. There's two different ways. As God sees it, it's always whole and entire. Mm-hmm. If God says we're holy, we're holy. As we see it and experience it, it's it's 
always partial. We never see the whole thing. We see dimly. We see dimly. That's right. Yeah. And so, so from our perspective, um, it's 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 uh, we're, we're works in progress, so to speak. Right. But as God sees it, He sees it as a done deal. It is finished. To tell us day. Right. Um, another way of looking at it is we as we are in ourselves, and we as we are in Christ. In Christ, we are complete. But in ourselves, we're not. We're not there yet. Yeah. So we're catching up to who we are in Christ. I got an email not too long ago. Usually I get sappy emails, but my cousin sent me this one. I was really proud of him for sending this one on. It's about a little boy who uh, grandma gave him a slingshot. Have you ever heard about this one? No. And he goes out, and he's down by the river. He's, he's trying to shoot stuff. Can't hit the broadside of a barn. He's walking back. And uh, he just points it at the duck. Wing kills the duck. He's like, oh, oh. He hides it in the, in the wood pile. His little sister sees it. And so grandma says, well, it's time to come in. Susie, help me uh, set out the place. Oh, Bobby said he wants to do it. And she says, I saw the duck. And uh, he's like, ah, crud. So uh, he sets the plates. And then afterwards, grandpa says, let's go fishing. Uh, and grandma says, Susie's going to help me clean up. No, Bobby said he wanted. And this goes on for a couple of days. And finally, Bobby's broken. He says, grandma, I killed the duck. And grandma says, I saw you when you did it. And I forgave you then. I was just wondering how long you'd let Susie torture you. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's, it's such, a, I think, a good analogy for the way that we operate is we let the devil torture us with his accusations. We torture ourselves by being accused. And Christ has already forgiven us, declared us righteous, and he sees us as flawless and perfect in his eyes. And we need not be tortured by these things. We simply need confess and be forgiven and have joy of that forgiveness. Yeah, you know, that harkens back to, uh, again, that passage in Romans in 325 is what, what is it that, how does God look at us, uh, ungodly sinners that we are? He looks at us through the blood. Yes. That's the, that's the propitiation. He's got on his Jesus goggles. The expiation, the atoning sacrifice, however you want to put it. I like to look at it as he sees us through sort of this crimson lens of the blood of Christ. Right. And that blots out our sin. In the Old Testament, that on the Day of Atonement, that's the that's the blood that was poured out on the mercy seat, you know, in the Ark of the Covenant. God saw Israel through the blood of the sacrifice. I like Jesus goggles because beer goggles make unattractive people attractive. The Jesus goggles make us righteous. Good. All right. Yeah. <laughs> You're just like shut up. What? What? Get on with this. <laughs> um, I was going to read something from uh, the, from from uh, the Apology, uh, an art, article four has has a good sentence here. It says, uh, regarding faith, we maintain not th- not this uh, that's something before, but but rather that because of Christ by faith itself, we are truly accounted righteous or acceptable before God. And to be justified means to make unrighteous men righteous or to regenerate them as well as to be pronounced or accounted righteous. So it's both and. Mm-hmm. For Scripture speaks both ways. Therefore, we want to show first that faith alone makes a righteous man out of an unrighteous one that is it receives the forgiveness of sins and and that's that's kind of the key how did the unrighteous become righteous by receiving is that active or passive quite receiving quite passive (laughs) very receiving so so you know in the end the, the law is upheld by being forgiven right yeah and Put that I, I in your don't know religi- if I have anything to add to that. Put that in your religious pipe and smoke it. Okay. There it goes. You want to talk about Ephesians 2? Yeah, let's do that. Oh. Let me get that going here. Do you have, do you have it nearby? You want, you want to read uh, it? I'm using my computer here. <clears throat> Got to 
You know, Ephesians 2 speaks to what, what your, your illustration a little while ago was about, namely uh, the difference between uh, taking, receiving, accepting, you know, the, these kinds of words that uh, uh, Paul in Ephesians puts us in the very passive dead position. All right. From the ESV, starting in verse 1. And you were dead in, tresp- in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Period. Paul likes long sentences. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches, rich, riches of his grace in kindness toward us, in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Yeah, you notice the same theme. Ephesians was written, um, I believe, some, yeah, somewhat later than Romans, I believe. Um, I don't know off the top of my head. I'm trying to trying my to think now. Biblical chronology is not the best. Yeah, but but same theme here. This this non boasting before God, faith not works. By grace you have been saved through faith. This is this is almost verbatim the formula of Article Four. Right. That we are justified by grace through faith. This is my confirmation verse. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah that's a I common, got a good one. Yeah, that is a good one. Um, yeah. And this is not your doing, so you didn't do it. It is a gift from God. Uh, both, both the justification and the faith. Right. Absolutely. So that there, there is no boast before God. And that, that's the idea here is, is that we, don't, we, we really come empty-handed before God. We have nothing to offer and say, you, you should justify us for this reason. This is what we've done for you. Yeah. I, I think it was, I um, can't remember which one of the church fathers talked about uh, the only reason that we might show God that he should redeem us is that we're just part of his creation and he redeems creation. But that was about the only thing <laughs> that he could come up with. That's still not something you did. You, no. didn't, you didn't create yourself. No, I didn't ask to be either. created. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, but notice the condition uh, that, that you were once dead. Not 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 weakened, not uh, not kind of dead, not not sort of sick, but but dead. And so to ask um, ask the dead to do something is is really utter nonsense. You can do something on them, but they can't do anything. So right. your, your illustration of the guy holding the dollar bill a few feet off the ground not uh, that's like asking well. a corpse to jump, right? I mean, if the guy's alive, yeah, he's going to do that. But that's that's not that's not what Paul says here. You're dead. All the corpses have been known to sit up, but <laughs> well, usually that's some sort of weird rigor mortis type thing. <laughs> that's something I don't want to see at a funeral. They also pass a lot of gas. Oh, we didn't need that. Yeah. 
So, so the idea that we were dead in our trespasses, God made us alive with Christ. See, there's the grace part. It's entirely gift. God, God has taken this corpse of ours and raised us to life with Christ. Notice it's all with Christ. Right. We've even been ra- we've been raised with Him and also seated with Him in the heavenly places in Christ. So you know we confess Christ is seated at the right hand of God. We are seated at the right hand of God in Him too. Mm-hmm. Although we don't perceive that at all. Right. I have n- eschatology is mind numbing when you really work on the already and the not yet of the whole thing. Yeah. Well, it's it's this double reality of it's 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 the the new creation as it is in Christ, yeah. and the new creation as it's only breaking into this old creation. You know, so there's kind of this this double, and that's true of us personally too. Yeah. There's the you that you are in Christ, and then there's the you that you are in you and Christ at work in you. They could. <laughs> see, I, I do, it, it leaves your head swimming. Well, some, see, sometimes one of these days I, I've got to put this up somewhere. Is I, I, I kind of draw this out as four con, uh, four concentric circles. In the middle is Christ for all. You mm-hmm. know, that's that's Christ. That's Christ, the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world. Um, or in Ephesians, you know, it's the cosmic Christ. Under under everything is put under Him. Um, the second circle is is Christ for you, and that's Christ presented in the Word and the sacraments. Uh, the third level is Christ for me. That's faith. Faith hears that and says, that's for me. See, then that's what Paul's talking about here, that when we were dead in our trespasses and our sin, God preached this message to us that we're alive in Christ and we're seated with him at the right hand of God. And so he's raised us up to life. Um, and then the fourth, the fourth circle is, is Christ for the neighbor, um, and, and that is the works of love that flow from that, which Paul gets to here. He talks about we being workmanship created uh, for good works, but I have a funny interpretation of that. Is that the same passage. as vocation? Could be. Yeah. Could be. Um, St. Cyril of Jerusalem. Just had to throw that out there. St. Cyril, you have a quote? No, that was who was talking about that before, if I remember right. Anyway, uh, verse 10 here. <laughs> For, that was really ADD, but it was wow. bugging me that I finally thought of it. For we are his workmanship created in Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I think this harkens us back to that James 2. Once again, that if we are the good trees, we will bear good fruit. It's just naturally following the redemption that Christ has given us. Yeah, to, to read it along the way in which it's translated, um, you know, we are God's, we, we are a piece of work. I love this workmanship. Poema is uh, this, uh, the same word for poem in, uh, in Greek. But it's we're, we're, we're God's piece of work. We are new creations in Christ. And, and that new creation is fruitful. Mm-hmm. It does things. Right. Um, now there is a, there's a little something about this verse though, the uh, the Greek word is epi, uh, that we are created in Christ epi, uh, ergois agathois uh, upon good works. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, usually epi is not a, a purpose uh, preposition. You know, for ace would be, but right. but not epi. And and uh, there 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 are some commentators uh, who have speculated. Uh, Henry Hamann, I believe, uh, the Australian. Uh, has commented on this and says that uh, these actually aren't referring to our good works, but Christ's good works. And so we are created in we are we are created in Christ upon His good works that we should walk in them. 
Interesting. And, and I think that's a fairly natural reading here because nowhere else in this chapter is Paul talking about works or sanctification. He'll get to that. Right. right. You know, the, the, the back half of this epistle deals in large measure with, with walking as children of the light and, and all of this. But, but here at this juncture, it's, it, it, I'm not opposed to this idea of reading verse 10 this way, for we are his workmanship created in Christ upon good works which God prepared beforehand. That is, from all eternity, God has, God has established that we should be created uh, and walk on the good works of Christ. That's really interesting. I never really looked at that before. Uh, that adds a whole other dimension. Are you aware of any translations that actually translate that way? No, I'd have to dig up the, the and I don't have the quick reference to uh, Dr. Haman's article. Uh, it is just a little short two-pager in the Concordia Journal, I remember, but he, he was kind of revisiting this and, and looking. I don't think, I'm not aware of any translation. Uh, you read the ESV that right. says four yeah. good works and uh, the RSV I believe says, yeah, it says exactly the same thing for um, the NIV, I think, says to do good works. So it even introduces a verb in there yeah. that's not in the, the Greek text. So all the translators seem to be very um, oriented toward us being created to do good works. Interesting. But, Interesting. but I'm, you know, what I'm saying is that the Greek text doesn't necessarily say that. It could simply say that we have been created upon the works of Christ to walk in them. It could be a both and. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it, it, kind of, it, it kind of is in the, the big picture, but I don't think it really is in, in that particular verse. I think you've got to decide which way you want to go with that. We're out of time, but oh. remember, you are saved by grace through faith alone. For Christ's sake. For Christ's sake. That's we'll why Jesus too. is a friend of mine. He is. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. I have a friend in Jesus. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend of mine.